Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is sponsored by Active Campaign CY 100,000 businesses. Use Active Campaign for their marketing by signing up at activecampaign.com slash Technori. Get your first two months on me, on me for free. Today's guest, Young Kim, CEO, founder of Oneolo. Um, little Chicago roots, went to University of Chicago uh, for undergrad before Harvard and then Deutsche Bank. Um, He's raised some money, well, some, more than $30, $32 million on a Series C from uh, some major players, led by Bain, Sequoia. Um, really interesting company. I, we, we kind of nerded out a little bit on the, not just on the company, but on the the future of the gig economy, which I sort of phrased as a, it's a temp word. We say gig economy because we don't know how to explain where things are going. We, we sort of look at the economy and and say, uh, this is a short term. We don't know what people are doing. They're 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 driving Ubers for side income. It's not. I mean, it is right now, but it really isn't. The future of gig economy is that, unlike now, where most people are one to one employer to employee ratio, it's going to be like one to six employee to seven employers, six employers, and people are going to go and work from one spot to the next for only the period of time where they are the most valuable so that they can get the most pay. And the other people that don't are just going to just keep getting paid less and less and less. Like, I don't know. Um, it's not the problem. The, 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 the real main thing is that when Olo is solving is that people need to find jobs and companies need to find talent, but they need to do it in a way that's ready for the future. I kind of likened it to NBA basketball. The players now have the power. They decide who they're going to play with and on what team. And the, the teams have to pay them max dollar at that given moment in their career, and then they leave, and then they go to another place, and so on and so forth. It's not like the old days where like you had a guy who was a star, then became the sixth man, then was at the end of the bench, and then slowly – well, if, they're, if it's the Bulls, then they end up in the front office, but that's a different story. Um, it's just interesting. It was a great conversation. I think you guys will, will get a kick out of it. Uh, if you like this episode, you should definitely check out my conversation with Hunt Club founder Nick Cremitis. Just follow Technori on Spotify. This is my conversation with the CEO and founder of Winolo, Young Kim. So obviously the, the first kind of point of connection here is obviously you went to Chicago. You let your, you've been a part of the Chicago community, at least in some, to some extent. Uh, your career spans a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, obviously Harvard Business School co-founded the Coca-Cola Accelerator uh, you grew up in South Korea. You've worked seven years at Deutsche Bank, and you've raised some capital from some of the, I would say, the elite, if you will, uh, in the VC game. All of which is sort of riding into solving a problem that I think we're just starting to get. Like the, you know, the, the solving staffing needs and things is not a new solution to a new problem, but the way that companies need to use staffing and, and the flexibility and all of that kind of stuff is, in my opinion, sort of a, like a, a new beginning. And you're trying to solve this problem in a unique way, um, and which is what has attracted the attention of a, a lot of the the main, you know, Bain and Sequoia and the rest of them. So, I'd love to learn right off the top what exactly you're working on. Yes, um, great question. And um, just to give you some context on, you know, what it is that we're working on and why we're working on. Um, the story goes back a bit. Um, uh, far far back to my uh, first years um, 
when I moved to the uh, States. So I was 15 years old. Um, I, I came here by myself, didn't speak the language, didn't know anyone. I was in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. Um, and on top of that, I had to find, you know, temporary you know, job opportunities. Um, and if you recall back in the 90s, um, you know, this was way before the days of the inter internet and Google. Um, the only way for someone like me to find a job uh, was to go to the town, um, you know, whenever I saw hiring or help wanted signs, you know, I would walk in cold, start pitching, you know, with my broken English and try to get um, something uh, from, um, you know, in terms of job opportunities. And I, I had a really difficult time. And uh, that experience really stayed with me throughout my career. Um, and fast forward 25 years, um, you know, there obviously have been a lot of innovations in the job, staffing, recruiting industry. Obviously, LinkedIn owns the knowledge workforce, you know, office work marketplace. And then there are many other software companies that address the needs of um, people like you and me who are kind of in the professional sector. Um, but America, as you know, um, there are 60% of people that are making less than $50,000 a year. And there are 70 million people that are working hourly jobs, trying to make up for 40 hours a week by working on multiple different jobs. And, you know, um, at the same time, there are companies that are complaining. Um, there are about, you know, 50% of the companies that just cannot get their jobs filled. And, you know, they complain about the lack of or shortage of workers with, you know, low unemployment rate. Um, so where's the disconnect? You know, why is it that there are 70 million people that are always struggling and constantly trying to look for jobs while companies are not getting their needs met. And um, the, the problem that we're trying to solve is the mismatch paradox between, um, you know, all these jobs getting unfilled while workers are still struggling to find jobs, especially those that are working in the blue collar, the other 60% of the population. So the way we want to solve that problem uh, is looking at the existing um, solutions, which are largely traditional temp staffing in this industry or agencies, companies, um, and and we view the way they uh, do things. You know, you know, we feel that it's it's very inefficient, manual, um, you know, very opaque, and we want to solve that problem using technology so that it's efficient, um, transparent, and um, it meets the needs of both sides uh, exactly the way one, they, they want. Um, so that's kind of, you know, why we got started and, and what it is that we do. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've had, this is in my, I'm just obviously looking at this from a, a distance, but we've had, you know, companies successfully launch in Chicago that have sort of hit their limitations like shift gig and others that, you know, in some regards, what they do well or did well, um, was connecting people with job opportunities. Um, it was less effective for the companies trying to actually find the right talent. Um, and then in the end, it was like, oh, well, we, we created a software that enables you to kind of do this on your own, um, which kind of speaks to the fact that, like, and, and they're not unique in this. I mean, Hired uh, is a different example in the tech community that has tried and tried and tried and tried to to create this sort of marketplace-y um, 
you know, it's not even a behavior. It's like a, a combination of tech and an assumption that people need to connect with people and that they want to connect and that they will connect with the right people and it'll just be organic. <clears throat> but it hasn't mm-hmm. been. And mm-hmm. I think that's the part that about what you're doing, I think is particularly interesting is finding the unique components that are different for any business, depending on where it's located or what it's hiring for. And on the other side of that, the unique components that are required that need to be met by the potential talent that would not be open to a job like this, this, or this, but would be for this or this. And like finding a way to sift through the noise and, and, you know, track out the people who are just looking to take any job rather than, you know, finding the people who like are specifically, looking for whatever the case may be. I, I feel like it's you're on to something here that's unique because I do think that we've tried a million different ways of re, you know, quote unquote digitizing the temp model. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, the right. man the manpower model with some new tech. And it's like, ah, that that's sort of missing it's not empathetic. It's sympathetic. Yep. It's not empathetic. You got it. You I think you hit the nail on the head. So um Yes, there have been you know many different approaches and similar approaches to how we do um, you know what we do, and I think that um, there are many components to um, look at the problem uh, in in different ways. So so I'll, let me give you uh, specific details on it. So I think um, there's the business model side, and then there's the technology side, and then there's the human side, uh, the way we characterize it is there's the product process and people. And oftentimes, you know, when, um, you know, other companies try to do it, they either try to do it with heavy emphasis on one. So for example, uh, certain software companies would approach this as a, as a pure tech problem. And then uh, they hope that, you know, building the best in class software there will be some sort of adoption and then the product will solve its problem by itself. Yep. Others may approach it from the business model perspective, which is, you know, what you refer to as like manpower, the traditional staffing agencies of the world. Um, but the, the, the real tricky part is the people part uh, because people are highly, highly unpredictable. Yes. So um, the, the name of the game in our view is that um, there are millions of things um, I mean, it's maybe it's millions of things are exaggeration, but there are just a lot of things that need to happen right uh, from the moment when a company needs uh, workers all the way to uh, the workers showing up on time, doing a great job, and then getting paid properly on time. Um, and there are so many things that break because of not because of the technology, but because of the human behavior. So, for example. Let's say that you know you need someone to come in and help you with a task tomorrow, and you post the job, push the button, and Young uh, picked up the job. Um, and it's two hours before the job starts, and Young, uh, you know, all of a sudden decided that he, you know, he has something better to do and cancels the job. And and now this task is something that you have been relying on you know young to show up properly on time and then do the great job but now young cancel at the last minute like what happens um and if young doesn't show up then it's a terrible experience for you um and it's also a terrible experience for other workers because 
you know, Young accepted the job that others could have done, and then now it's a lost opportunity. So how do you solve that? Um, and there are just a lot of um, incidents like this that can happen, and, and, and as the volume increases, if you have to deal with you know, thousands of jobs or you know, tens of thousands of jobs per day, um, a lot of these edge cases happen uh, in many different ways. So, you know, in our view, you know, how do you, you know, balance between when to solve certain problems using technology and then when to sol solve certain other problems using human touches? So it's a very delicate balance, and it's something that we are still, you know, getting better at. But one of the things that we really focused on at the early on, like in our journey, was that um, this is highly, highly complex problem, even though, you know, the way it surfaces, um, you know, may seem quite simple. Um, and, you know, we, you know, came to realization that it has to be a combination of, you know, both tech and, and humans. Um, and that's, that's been kind of, you know, what uh, helped us become, um, you know, be, be able to scale in a very fast way um, and, you know, has gotten uh, significant traction with both companies and, and workers. You know, what I think is particularly interesting and probably also speaks to <clears throat> the caliber of people who have uh, backed you guys as well as you just professionally. I mean, obviously, as I said in the top of the show, you know, your background speaks for itself. When we talk to founders, whether it's the purpose of investing or it's the purpose of mentorship or buying a product as an early adopter, I, I'm like, you know, well known around the community for trying out shitty products. <laughs> you know, like I'll try anything out just to see, you know, what it's like. I love the idea of someone trying to, to create something new <clears throat> um, to solve right. a problem. But <clears throat> I'll tell you the part about your business that I think I'm the most excited about, or if, if I were Sequoia or Bain or any of your angel investors that you had, if you did that. Um, this is what I'd be surprised or be most excited about You're you're doing a fantastic job and you're growing this and, and everything you said line, you know, makes perfect sense, makes perfect sense. The thing that is sort of the carrot on this, if you will, for all of the other people out there who are taking the traditional route or taking the, you know, the SAS for hire route, um, they're going to miss out on the key data points and the key delivery model that you are bringing to the table when the the light switch flips in a couple of years and maybe it won't be a couple of years, maybe it'll be three or four or one. I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, mm -hmm. But the way that the economy is, is changing and I'll just use you as an example is, you know, of the companies and people that I talk to who are early stage startups, even if they're, you know, series A, B, C, D, you know, still startup, but not, not IPO. Um, right. They hire their teams. Um, just like anybody else, you know, maybe it's horizontal versus vertical or whatever, but they hire their teams. They still rely or have a very, very difficult time, no matter how good the equity is, uh, finding talent for specific things like marketing, like design, like, and I don't mean just creative stuff. It can also be legal. It can be a lot of things because a lot of those people, particularly younger people who are really talented, they've discovered that they're worth more money as a free agent. They have more to uh -huh. offer doing short projects, six months on the company, nine months on the company. And I don't mean just freelance. I'm, I'm not talking about freelance. I'm talking about like, I'm going to join the company, but I'm, I'm going to be on it for this set period of time. And they set their parameters. And when they feel like they're not bringing the value that it's going to you know warrant the reward that they're looking for, then they move on. And 
I'm gonna, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And that changes the entire dynamic for companies, in particular, hiring and finding sustainable talent. But it, And this is not just, you know, white collar. This is all the way down blue collar. It might be a marble worker. But if you're the you best it. at it, why would you why would you ever be under underutilized? Right. And then this even it. goes yeah. even bigger for the for the the, the people trying to get jobs because they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess what I'm getting at here is the market is going to mature in a way that I don't think a lot of your quote unquote and I don't view you as competitors, but your quote unquote competitors. I don't think they see it coming or if they do, they're so poorly equipped to handle it that when when you're business you know when your 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 addressable market matures to the point where i think it's going this is going to be bananas like you're you're going to have such a huge advantage over all these people that it's it's like it's almost laughable if you keep up what you're doing i really appreciate the uh, vote of confidence and and seeing the vision that we have and yeah you're absolutely right and i think uh what we are seeing is the paradigm shift and the definition of work and how oh, yes. you know people engage in work. Um, so in the traditional way, you know, um, people t- typically have one job for multiple years, and they may switch jobs, you know, every five, six, seven years. But uh, the traditional relationship has always been one to one, you know, one employee to one employer. Yep. What we are seeing now is that uh, many people have one you know, to three, five, one to four. ten. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got it. And and the part that you uh, really uh, hit the nail is the is is the blue collar part. It's not just you know. So the the concept of uh, freelancing in the knowledge work you know you know knowledge workforce white collar space yeah. has been around for a while, but now it's the blue collar side. So. Uh, some of the feedback that we we get, I mean, we get tons of um, you know thank you notes or uh, feedback uh, from social media just constantly. And I still remember this story from one of our uh, community members who said, you know, he's he's been in the warehousing industry for a decade, and 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 he he entered the industry after he graduated from high school. And um, one day, you know, he was expecting. Uh, his first son, and he asked for some time off, paternity leave. And his manager said, you know, hey, you know, when you uh, take some days off and then come back, you may not even have a job. And it just totally shook him. Um, then he found Wanolo, and he realized that he now has the flexibility and he has the autonomy to make the decision the way he wants. And instead of being locked into this one employer that, totally dictated his uh, life and schedule. Now he has his own ability to manage that. Um, and through these examples and, and you know, thousands of transactions that we see between uh, workers that are in this, you know, uh, way of engaging with companies, uh, what we have found is that uh, the, the most valuable currency for workers is having the autonomy. And we believe that, um, a platform like Winolo really offers that autonomy to the workers and that the power dynamics kind of shift from companies always dictating, you know, when and where to work to now uh, workers deciding to, you know, um, you know, figure out who to work with, you know, when to work and where to work. And I think that's a tremendous power. I mean, very powerful uh, 
you know, shift in, in uh, dynamics. And and you're absolutely right. And and I think this is one of the reasons why this movement or this paradigm shift is here to stay and, and it's going to get um, much, much bigger. So it, it will be its own new category of, of work. There hasn't been any term to describe exactly what it is. I mean, people talk about gig economy or, you know, um, kind of sharing economy, but I think it's something greater than that. Um, and even, you know, not just from the private sectors, but uh, the public sectors, policymakers, they're seeing that. Um, so we're very excited about uh, this and there will be a winner. And, uh, you know, our hope is that we will be the winner, but um, regardless, I think um, there will be a lot of innovations happening to address the needs of the rising work workforce. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think you're 100% right about the gig economy. I think that's a that's one of those words we, we use, as, and I don't mean this as a pun, like it's a temp word. We use that when we don't exactly know what we are seeing, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden these people are flooding uh, the upworks of the world <clears throat> and finding, you know, it's formalizing a way for people to get spot work here and there, and we used to call it temp, uh, and now right. it's more pervasive, so we call it gig economy because there are unique ways like Uber and Lyft and whatever to make some money, and there, there's different things like that, so we, we name it that. It's a temporary word. Uh, the future economy is everything we've discussed. I mean, are you a, are you a basketball fan by chance? Um, you know, I, I love watching it. I wouldn't say I'm like a huge, um, like I have huge knowledge in it, but yeah. yes, I, I, well, yeah, I so, I mean, you're, you're familiar obviously with, the, with, you know, the NBA, I guess is the point. Cause like, I think the NBA yes. is such a great example of like what we're going to see in the future. If you look at like LeBron and, and all of these players right now, they dictate their own terms. There are free agents. Right. Like if you if you looked at like the '90s, early 2000s, even you know into 2012, players yeah. that were getting older or their skills were diminishing or the league was changing, they were mm -hmm. just they're like you're the guy that you were talking about. They just have to sit and wait until their contract bleeds out and they get less and less money, and eventually they don't have a spot, and that's it. Right. And now right. Right. the key players are like not only are we going to dictate terms and change it and be on two-year agreements where we get paid max dollars every single contract? We're going to pick the team that we're going to play for, and we're also going to pick some of the other players we're going to bring with us. So you're going to start right. – and this is – I really think this is what you're going to start seeing at the most successful companies of the next 25 years are going to be the ones that don't fight this but rather lean into it and go – you know what, if we want these guys to keep working or girls to keep working on the projects we're working on, then we're just going to have to pay up. But you're going to see you groups of people yep. going from company to company together and and doing cool stuff. I mean, you're already kind of seeing it. You've seen people who were at Google and then they, they leave and go to Facebook and then they go from Facebook to start their own company. The company either gets bought or shits out and then they go you know, back to the next hot startup. They're all working at Quibi right now on content. There, it's it's the same core group, and they call their own shots. And I think you're in. And this is, to be honest, you know, we talked about this a couple of times. The white collar, blue collar com comparison. This actually, while there is some very clear and obvious circumstances in the white collar knowledge market, it's actually more blue collar than anything. The blue collar is is the work that requires a specific set of skills that a lot of people don't have anymore, and so their value is is going to be through the roof over the next decade. They call the shots. Nobody knows how to do I, – I mean, I don't know how to change a tire, basically. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like 
these people have all the power, and, and what is missing is they don't have the tools to to take advantage of the power they have. And that's what you're building, as, as I see it. Yes, yes, I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, the part that we are also excited about is not only, you know, you know, giving the empowerment to the worker side, but it also uh, helps change the way uh, companies think think about kind of the workforce. And oh, yes. I think this totally. is what you are alluding to. And oftentimes, you know, um, the, you know, it's, so you, just staying on the topic of kind of the blue collar side, uh, the information that's available in public is quite scarce. I mean, on the knowledge workforce side, you know, there's Glassdoor, you know, people always, you know, you know, write reviews around what's, what it's like to work at, you know, Google and, you know, other Facebook, like other large companies. But, um, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, working at a large, you know, logistics company or working at a large manufacturing company, there's like very little information about what it's like to be there. Now, I think through uh, platforms like Winolo, uh, there's a very transparent feedback loop where workers can write reviews on their experience and then share that feedback to the company managers. And, and I think it just opens up you know, a lot more transparency in the overall ecosystem, and it helps these companies to change uh, their perception on you know, how to properly engage with their contract or contingent workforce and and how to you know rethink uh, their wage uh, structure you know working environment etc so I think that on a net net basis it, it also helps uh, on the uh, you know employer or the, the customer or company side to uh, think differently from how they are used to in the past I, I totally agree with you. I mean, like I said, it, it, we, we talk about this on the live show all the time about the reality of like the the, the S&P 500 in 10 years is going to be two-thirds gone. A third of those new companies don't, don't even exist yet. And right. we've got to figure out a way to get these companies to embrace the kind of change that's coming because if you want to succeed in a future that is, you know, probably a blockchain and crypto speed – uh, transactional business world that we're going to be living in globally, you've got to be able to have teams that can come on and do stuff really quick and be able to do work and be nimble. And if you're not, or you're not it. open to it, you're going to have trouble. Um, so on that regard, you know, wrapping up, is what is what is the one thing that you feel like if you, you have to get right? If you don't get it right, it's catastrophic. Yes. Um, right now, the one thing that we, we have to get right is helping companies cross the chasm. So, you know, a lot of the companies, uh, so, so on the worker side, they, the adoption curve is, is pretty rapid and they see the value proposition immediately. Yep. On the company side, the change management is slower and there are many different layers where even though you find a champion within an organization, um, there are a lot of uh, people that feel uncomfortable around um, you know, doing things in a different way uh, from they're used to. So, you know, how do we uh, embrace uh, as a corporation to see that um, this is this change and par- paradigm shift is real and it's only get, going to get bigger? And how do you think, you know, forward and start implementing best practices and open to trying new services like Winolo? So that part, how do we help them 
get over that hurdle, like both mental hurdle of trying something new, but at the same time, clearly communicating to them around the vision and the value proposition. So that part, I think we have to get it right. Uh, It's definitely, we're doing, uh, we're getting better at it and it's getting easier. It almost feels like, you know, once you kind of pass that pendulum, um, now like it just becomes the norm, but we just have to get through the chasm to get there. Um, and that is one thing that we have to get right. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I, I think the one of the areas that will be interesting in the future is like use as a comp Upwork as a place that a lot of freelancers will go. You know, obviously, this is talking about more like tech and creative stuff, but in general, uh, sites right. like Upwork, the equivalent shift gig on the other side, and it won't be shift gig, but somebody else. Um, those those who have the most talent as a force that a company can access will win. Mm-hmm. And it's Absolutely. like, how do you attract 100%. them? Right. It's and how yeah. do you attract them? It's like, yeah, obviously they have to be able to get the jobs. Right. So, you know, they're not going to come on if you can't hook them up with jobs, but I don't think that's it. I think like there's a, a way that you can make this seamless and easy for them to get work and to make sure that their contracts are set and they're paid whatever. If like the more, the easier you make it to facilitate the minute you have a certain amount of talent on your side, you can literally just go shop like any recruiter. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you're having a hard time hiring for people for this. Probably. I know you are. Cause I have all the talent. So, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. I love the spot you're in. This is really cool. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, where do people go Thanks to learn so more about uh, Winolo and, and, and start, you know, working with you guys? Yeah. Just, you know, please visit us at winolo.com um, and then it's very easy to start. Uh, you can simp- or you can simply download the app and start working today. Um, so yeah, very, very straightforward and simple. Awesome. I, well, also I want to say, I love the name. I think it's, it's a great uh, thank you. work now. It, it locally. For, I love it. Yeah. You locally. got it. Uh, yeah. Made sense. I like it. Uh, Young, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. Really enjoyed our conversation. You can follow us at Technori or you can follow me at Katoon to invest in featured startups or apply to pitch on the Startup Showcase live on WGN Radio Saturdays from noon to 1 p.m. Go to technori.com. Boom, that's a wrap.